Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. We will be free of spoilers from details of future episodes, but full spoilers for episodes we have discussed in the past. I'm Jason, and I'm glad I'm not as thirsty as uh, Fred and that other guy were this episode, but I feel like I have been before. (laughs) I'm Harrison, and I was as thirsty as them this morning. I was, I, I felt like shit when I woke up. Mm. Yeah, like I, I, um, I read something online that uh, two things you should do, like as soon as you wake up, and like you know, if you need to go to the bathroom or whatever, obviously do that. But like, get like some kind of hydration and mm-hmm. stretch, yep. like actual stretch, not just the you know lift your arms yeah. up when you get out of bed. Big stretch, yeah. Uh, Jason, what episode are we watching today? Uh, we are watching Angel, Season 3, Episode 19. Ooh, 19. Stephen King fans out there. <laughs> um, the Price. This is the one where uh, Angel and uh, Cordelia get a chance to talk about, sort of, about everything that happened while they were gone. Uh, while Angel, while, excuse me, while Cordelia and Gru were gone. And... Uh, However, one of the things that happened in the attempt to rescue Connor, the spell that uh, was performed with Lila, has a bit of a consequence that we finally see in this episode. In this case, like, you know, luminescent slugs. Yeah. Uh, The Price was written by David Fury and was directed by Marita Grabiak um, and originally aired on April 29th, 2002. She's a pretty prolific television director. Was this early on in her career or later? Um, early, I think. She's still directing. She did some episodes of 911 Lone Star recently. Some TV movies, a lot of Christmas movies. It's kind of like, it's kind of like how like a lot of actors got their starts in the soaps. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of directors and writers maybe got their start on these like two thousands um, serialized dramas. Yeah, she directed one episode of Lost, Which one? Uh, season one, episode ten, raised by another. That's the season one Claire centric episode. Mm-hmm. I think that's an underrated episode. She directed an episode of Gilmore Girls. Season four, episode sixteen, The Reigning Lorelei. I'm pretty sure that's the one where Richard's mom dies. I think you're right. Um, which is one of my favorites because it's the one where Emily loses her fucking mind. I mean Emily loses her fucking mind in any episode that has her in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh she did two episodes of Smallville. Season 2, episode Skinwalker. I don't remember that one off the top of my head. And the season 3, episode Relic. Hmm. I don't remember that specifically. Uh, this On Angel, she directed Fredless and this episode. Season 4's The House Always Wins and Shiny Happy People. And season 5's Unleashed. Oh, quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She did Storyteller and End of Days in Season 7 of Buffy. Okay. 
One episode of Firefly, Janestown. It's a pretty good one. That is a good one. Yeah, that was near the beginning. Her that like that. The hero of Canton. Her first hero. credit was an episode of ER. I haven't watched. I haven't watched Firefly in a really long time. The last time I watched it was would have been a few years ago when I watched it with John because it was his first time. Oh. Been right after it literally was right after we finished Angel. I was like. We well, liked those shows, so yeah, this here's one that we can here's watch. A, here's a quickie, and we'll get through it fast. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, <clears throat> Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, drinking some Old Forester on the rocks. What about you? I've got a Sprite and vodka. Um, I feel like we've had this discussion before. What's that called? Um, it's not a screwdriver. No, because that's um, that's a that's that's orange, orange juice and vodka. Um. Okay, I, I we have had this conversation. I'm suddenly remembering it. It doesn't have any sort of special name. It's okay. just vodka and sprite. Sprodka. <laughs> um. Ooh, there's a cocktail here called Sex in the Driveway. <laughs> vodka, blue curacao, peach schnapps, and sprite. That sounds. Very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I see that you have a bottle of peach schnapps right there. Yeah, I was like, and I was like, I, we had some blue curacao. I think I have some blue point. curacao at home. Because <laughs> um, we made we we got the blue curacao when we made those um, uh, the um, fuck what are, the sour patch kid martinis that yeah. I did for the band candy episode, mm-hmm. and then I think maybe we I made them again when we started recording in person. Could be. I don't remember. This was really good. John was furious at how much he liked it. (laughs) (laughs) He he was like grumbling the whole time he was making it. He was like, this is not going to be good. It's going to be terrible. I can't believe you convinced me to do this. He tasted it. He went, damn it, that's delicious. (laughs) (laughs) That was very much a buster energy. (laughs) (laughs) She says says you look better in the blue shirt. Damn it, she's right. (laughs) All right. Ah, shall we toast? Yeah, let's toast. Um, I probably should have thought of something to toast. Uh, but, you know, we're doing it on the fly. <laughs> um, how about a toast to... Ah, you know. We didn't like mention it the last week, but I feel like uh, beginning of fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this is our first episode that we recorded in October. Uh, so it's spooky season. Fuck yeah. Uh, one of Harrison's favorite months of the year. And also mm-hmm. one of mine, too. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I love fall. I'm very sad that uh, uh, climate change has drastically reduced how much fall we get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think um, after this week of temperatures in the 80s, Louisville is going to drop down to, uh, like, you know, 70s and 60s. Yeah. So I believe next week is when fall weather truly starts. Yeah. We had a little bit like last week, um, and yeah, pick, the heat picked up again this week, and it's been really annoying because I've been parking my car on the street because John's parents, um, we've got their car right now because um, they they're still on vacation. Uh huh. Yeah, nice. they're still in Mexico. Two weeks. They'll be back. They'll be back later this week. Nice. Um, but we've got their car in our garage where I normally park. Um, just cause it's a pretty nice car and. Um, not that my car isn't nice. Car's a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> um, this is the first car I've ever owned that isn't a piece of shit. <laughs> um, 
So, but it's been like today I had to run to the grocery store and I got in my car and it was like, fuck, this is hot. I think. Um, so I'll be, I'll be grateful to have my garage back. Yeah. All right. Cheers. To fall. To October. To spookiness. To your birthday month. Oh yeah, that is true. Well, you know, it's funny because I'm not really thinking about it at the moment because, uh, my friend called me up a little while back and, uh, she said like, she's turning 28, her birthday's on October 28th, so that's what some people consider the golden birthday or whatever, and, uh, so she wants to have a big party for it. Uh, she lives in Lexington, but most of her friends, including me, are in Louisville, so she asked me, like, uh, oh, can we have the party at your place? And I'm like, yeah, sure, because, you know, yeah, I love her, and she's, she's a good friend. Um, and, uh, now, honestly, I do, I'm not even thinking about my birthday. I'm thinking about getting the house ready to have, like, possibly 20 or more people in it. So, be like a, a true shindig. Have you ever had a party, like a big party like that at your house? Not really. I mean, it's it's mostly just been uh, kind of like dinners with, uh, with people. We did have a... I bought my house, like, February of 2020. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to entertain too much, but uh, right around the time, it was basically when all of our trivia group got vaccinated and, you know, we waited the requisite two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, once everybody was good, then we actually had a, a, a get together dinner That's and um, I, I don't know if that was the most people that I've had in the house at one time, maybe like a, Maybe a movie night for my birthday mm-hmm. um, when we watched like the non Disney animated movies. I was gonna say it felt like that there was were quite a few people there. there. I, that was like the most people I've ever seen there. Um, yeah, I've, yeah, but I've never had like just a invite as many people as you want party there because, I mean, the house isn't in that fit of a state to have that many people in it. All right, Shall let's we? talk. Yeah, let's talk about the thing that people came here for, mm-hmm. not whatever the fuck's going on at Jason's house. <laughs> Uh, so the, we get another one of these delightful scenes that I always have to remind myself to appreciate of just the, um, Angel Investigations team having good chemistry together Mm -hmm. and, you know, making unintentionally funny things, uh, and remarks. And in this case, they are, uh, painting the, they're trying to like repaint and, get the get angel's old apartment you know the one that like had the exploding stove in it yeah uh get that back in order um we did see at the end of the last episode that he was taking apart the crib so he's kind of making which you know obviously there's the emotional implications there as well uh in this case he has everybody helping him out um he uh he originally chooses pomegranate to paint the walls and uh and it's Gru who kind of like you know goes a little like oh we've been we've been side by side in battle and I have to say I don't think pomegranate <laughs> is the best is the best choice and it and apparently Fred was the one who wanted to paint it a different color um, and uh, Gru gets out the swatches and says here's uh, here's orange or some kind of orange it was like crimson sunset crimson or something sunset like that. yeah. Um, or this, or this uh, daring color, uh, purpla. <laughs> it's like it's purple. You didn't have a problem pronouncing pomegranate. It was my, it was his mother's name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just good. Um, and 
yeah, Angel says that he wants everything in the room to pretty much be the same. So pomegranate was probably like the closest color to what the original color was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Angel sees like a box of some stuff that from around the apartment and in there is a snow globe that he bought Connor. And he said he never knew why he bought it. He, um, he says that it doesn't really snow in California. And then um, Cordelia makes one of my favorite throwbacks of Buffy and Angel. She says it snowed once, which of course is a reference to the season three episode of Buffy uh, Men's, yeah. where um, you know Angel's about to like you know, kill himself uh, because he's feeling the guilt of all the things that he did, particularly to Jenny Calendar. And uh, he wants to just let the sun rise on him. But that day, there was miraculous snow, and uh, the sun was covered up. So I like that callback. One, it's just, I like a good callback. But it does fit very thematically with how Angel's feeling, um, the guilt. um, Also, it, it should be pointed out that I don't think Cordelia was in that episode, or if she was, had a very minor part and was not involved with the Angel stuff at all. Yeah. So that means that that was an, that was obviously an important moment for Angel, and he told her about it. Yeah. So, and she remembered. She does have... She's. You're right. Because I, I very specifically remember her getting a dig in at Xander, talking about like his, his family's family. like, drunken Christmas parties. And then yeah, she goes. She goes like somewhere on like for Christmas for like the break, and isn't in like most of that episode mm-hmm. outside the very beginning. Good call. I didn't think about that. Yeah, um, and you know, think about that stuff. Uh, Angel says that they should um, try to get back to work, but Fred says that there ha- that there aren't any active cases. Last call was about a week ago, and so Angel's like, hey, well, you know, let's go downstairs and check to see if we get any walk-ins. And they do! <laughs> um, a guy walks into the building, and uh, it's kind of sad, because he just, he, he's like asking for people to, like he's asking if this is Angel Investigations, and uh, when nobody shows up, because everybody's still upstairs, he says, oh, I probably couldn't find my dog anyway. Uh, and he gets slugged. And now nobody is going to find his dog, because nobody knows. I choose to believe someone finds the dog and gives him a nice home. Oh, I like that too. Uh, but yes, a translucent slug uh, jumps into his mouth. Uh, when Angel comes downstairs, he's like really happy to see that there's a customer, but then the guy just says, we have to go. So what do you think of this creature design um, and the execution of it? I think the execution of it is pretty good. I think they generally look... Um, look all right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a bad foray into CGI like yeah. the monsters at the end of this episode. Yeah. Um, the design itself, I like in theory, like the translucent slug, but it it is a little... Um, the actual slug design I find like a little bland. I wish there was something a little bit a little more co- to it. It almost looks cartoony. Yeah. In how simplistic it is. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I... I don't dislike it, but it's not going to be memorable. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to say it was the best or worst uh, creature of the week at the end of the season. Yeah. I think it's more... Like, it's more memorable when it's, like, possessing someone. When it's, um, this guy or Fred later in the episode. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but what, yeah, when it's in its slug form, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so everybody else comes downstairs and, uh, well, actually first it's Cordelia, pardon me. And uh, she notices something that was also noticed by that customer before he got slugged. Uh, that pentagram from the spell that Angel did with Lila is still there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she says that, uh, yeah, you know, you get a price, like, there's always a price and unintended consequences. And um, Angel then says, and this is kind of the first time that he's really talked to Cordelia about it. Because mm-hmm. when Cordelia showed up, it was, it was Gunn and Fred who filled her in on everything that happened. And, uh, you know, he's saying that, you know, I wasn't in the right state of mind. I was drunk on my own son's blood, thanks to Wolverine Heart. And, uh, yeah, my son got kidnapped by a guy that I trusted, so I'm a little pissed. Uh, yeah, I may have been a little rash. Um, and, and uh, yeah, Cordelia, we, and it's revealed that Cordelia is also upset because Angel didn't call her. Angel explains, I didn't want to ruin your vacation. One of us should have been happy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Angel... Uh, Cordelia pretty much implies that, like, hey, I'm, I care for that kid almost as much as you do. Um, you really should, like, always call me for something like that. Mm-hmm. And Angel says that, you know, next time. And uh, so then we, uh, we have a juice bar across the way. Um, and the guy who got slugged is um he's he's double fisting the peach smoothies it, it, i kind of wonder if like if it's just the peach smoothies that he wanted i mean it obviously seems like you know you just want like liquid but i think i think that particular slug was about the peach smoothie. He liked the peaches yeah he, he he got that one first um and he was like oh yeah i want, yeah. I want another one <laughs> six hours later <laughs> oh my god i feel so bad for those employees like even just like without the terrifying supernatural aspect of it i'd be like go away you have been here for six hours that's nonsense yeah like it you hear those stories about restaurants that do like the all you can eat stuff and um i mean they made a funny simpsons episode about it as well but like uh, you know these people come in and they stay there for hours just gorging themselves on food and I can only imagine that like you know the wait staff oh my gosh. is like I mean not to I'm not trying to say like oh it's gross that they're eating so much food but just the fact that like they just keep eating and it's like we got other people that we need to serve yeah it's pretty rude like we had we had this customer who would do that when I worked at Kroger who would like literally come in at like nine in the morning and would like walk like shop for upwards of like five to six hours how like are you reading every individual thing this person i mean this person i did like it like once a month and that was like i guess their shopping day because they would bring um literally they'd get like three carts full cartfuls of stuff um and like we always knew when they came in, like that they'd be once they filled their first cart, we'd bring it up to the customer service desk, and we just kind of keep it up there. Um, then we, a couple hours later, we get the second cart, and by the time third cart was done, we'd 
Um, we have to be careful. It feels like we're ragging on like you know somebody just the way that they shop. But oh no, it's like that, that is no. And I don't. I don't mean to come across that way. Um, I. It was just we just knew that that person mm-hmm. once. Uh, literally, would know like around the time that they usually were starting to finish. We would we would literally go uh, bring the car, open a specific register. We would get one of the supervisors, like two of the supervisors, to do it, and just we would start ringing up their order in this specific, like this extra register that we open before they even got back up to the front. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was it was a whole process. Yeah, this guy, um, this guy apparently has consumed at least a hundred of these smoothies. Um, manager asks him to leave. The guy just wants more. Gives him a credit card that they don't accept. Which means that he was able to pay for a hundred large peach smoothies in cash. Or check. Or check, yeah. That, this, was, <laughs> this was the year where you could do... This was like an era where you could, where people were still doing that. Um, but yeah, and also like it's just so weird to think of a place that... And I know there are still places like that that don't accept card. Yeah. But it's, it's just so weird to hear that. Yeah. I mean... I don't think this guy would have cared about minimums. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he basically uh, shoves the manager aside and just like keeps trying to drink more and more stuff. Um, uh, we go back to Wolfram and Hart. Not only do we see Lila again, but we also see Gavin again. Yeah. Hey, Daniel Day Kim. Welcome Sexy. back. <laughs> and um, I swear, Gavin has got the... Ooh, you're in trouble! Like shit-eating grin on his face Such in both scenes that he's in. Fucking little prick. He really is. <laughs> Daniel Day Kim just nails it. it. It's crazy to think because the the first thing that I really truly knew him from was Lost, right? And it's weird to just think of this as before Lost. Yeah. Because I always kind of like associate his character with taking a long time to learn English, and yet he just like. Speaks it like it, it, it. He just he just speaks it like uh like he's always been speaking it. Well, that's because Daniel Day Kemp didn't actually speak Korean. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've heard people talk about like his Korean on that show is apparently pretty atrocious. I I don't know. My Korean is very limited. Um, so I wouldn't. I am not. Yeah. A, I'm not an authority. Uh, I'm not either. But <laughs> I've heard from authorities. Apparently, Injun Kim does speak Korean. I think she was like a Korean like soap star before she did Lost. I can see um, that. I like Lost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, and so Gavin's like, oh, I should congratulate you. You know, you're bringing Angel closer and closer to the dark side. You tried to smother a human and and uh, Lila's just like, shut up, I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, so dark. I remember a year ago when he murdered a bunch of my colleagues, but whatever, Gavin. Gavin's just like, oh, those are lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we've got a good, like, lawyers are evil dig. It, like, just a straight up dig in this show. Which seems like they should go, a well that they should go to more often. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so if it wasn't clear already, it's clear now that Angel is. Once again, like, you know, if he's going to be the head of Angel Investigations, he's sitting at the desk. Um, Fred and Fred is saying how it's so weird to see him sitting at the desk. Because, like, hey, 
It was his desk uh, when I came when I showed up, and uh, yeah, and Fred is just trying to say like you know there's got to be a way that you know he doesn't have to forgive Wesley, but he has to just acknowledge him, and uh, and Gunn's like yeah he's probably just not talk about Wesley ever again. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how long you hold on to that. <laughs> Come on, Charles. He's a series regular. Yeah. Uh, we got Cordelia and Gru who are trying to, uh, get that pentagram off the lobby, but, uh, Cordelia just can't seem to get it off, so she's just like, hey, let's all go in and buy, like, a big rug to put over it. It'll really tie the room together. (laughs) Depends. And then you have to worry about, uh, Jacob from Lost showing up to, uh, like, you know, pee on your rug. Even though he wasn't the one who peed on the rug. Um, I am making a reference to the Big Lebowski, um, the guy who plays Jacob is the other guy, not the rug pisser. And Amy Mann is the toe loser. <laughs> I believe that was the name of an Amy Mann album, Toe Loser. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> could be. Have I told you that, uh, you were kind of like the one that put me on to, like, who Amy Mann was. Um, and then, uh, a few years ago when I was listening through, uh, through Rush's discography, it got to the song "Time Stand Still," mm-hmm. and Amy Mann is the guest vocals on that. Um, and it's a it's a fantastic song. Yeah, I love I love Amy Mann, and Buffy is the how I discovered Amy Mann because she's um, she's a performer at the Bronze in in a season seven episode. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that episode and being like, I'm really digging her. Like, who's it's not too far away? Who is this? Um, just love how. Um, a lot of our music taste has been uh, molded by uh, CW and WB shows. So much of my music taste um, was is molded by t- TV and movies. Well, you know, like, um, I think of uh, the song Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was fortunate enough that, like, the last band of those crazy music festivals that we had at, um, a couple weeks ago was Green Day. And... Uh, I specifically, like, when they were playing Boulevard Broken Dream, I specifically remember, it wasn't the first time I heard it, but it was definitely um, a memorable time that I heard it. It was a season four episode of Smallville when they played that, because it was probably, like, one of the biggest songs on the radio at the time. Yeah. Oh, that song was everywhere. Yeah. Uh, And, yeah, just, I I just loved hearing it in Smallville. And this was, like, very shortly after I started watching Smallville, too. One of the shows um, that I... How I discovered a lot of music from was um, was Chuck. Um, that show, a uh, lot, lot of like indie music that they used on that show, um, and uh, I was yeah I was vibing. I like I, I would like to watch Chuck sometimes. Oh, you would love Chuck. It's such a nerd show. <laughs> I like <laughs> yeah I like Zachary Levi and isn't a Yvonne Starovsky mm-hmm. in it? And um, I mean he's kind of a piece of shit, but Adam Baldwin. Um, I mean, well. he, do you mean like in the show or in real life? In real life, yeah, I was about to say, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Unfortunately, like you know, pieces of shit are throughout our media. Yeah, he, his character is great. Um, the three of them are like the main trio, and it's also just got a really stellar um, supporting cast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, delightful show. Um, one of Matt Bomer's first really prominent roles. Okay, um, before uh, White Collar. Before it was like right before White Collar. Yeah, um, he had he had like a recurring, a small recurring role in um, the first season and second season. Um, 
Timothy Dalton had a really great like, <laughs> uh, recurring arc. Um, oh god, uh, Linda Hamilton. Mm. Uh, uh, Miss Sarah Connor. Miss Sarah Connor herself. Um, she had a great um, little arc on the show. Um, uh, Carrie Ann Moss was a recurring character Trinity. in the later seasons. Um, they did. I know she's probably done other stuff besides the Matrix, yeah. but in my mind, she's Trinity. I mean, and also um, from Memento as well. Yes, um, she's in an excellent movie that stars um, Alan Rickman and Sigourney Weaver. Oh, damn. Um, that's not Galaxy Quest. That's not Galaxy <laughs> Quest. Uh, it also stars... Um, it, it, it's a small role, um, but a really important one. Um, Stevie from Schitt's Creek. It's called Snowcake. Emily Hampshire? Yes, thank you. Um, it's called Snowcake. Uh, it's... Alan Rickman plays this man who picks up this uh, teenage... I think she's like a runaway... Um, and she's like hitchhiking he picks her up and they're in a really terrible car accident and she's killed um, and he feels really guilty and he goes to like the town she lives and he meets her mother who's played by Sigourney Weaver um, who is like developmentally disabled um, Damn, that's, and it's a heavy movie it's very heavy it was it's really really good um, and like just amazing performances across the board. Um, Snowcake, oh, check it out if you. Snowcake, yeah. Uh, did, it was one that I that just. Out. It's one of those ones where it just. Ha- I was watching a movie. I got like a Netflix DVD, RIP, um, and it just <laughs> was like it was a preview on the DVD. I'd never heard of it, but I was like, I really like this cast. The plot looks interesting. Sure, I'll check it out, and I'm, I'm glad I did. All right. Um. Anyway, watch the shop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Cordelia, so uh, Fred goes up to Cordelia and um, Cordelia says like, oh, uh, Groot, can you throw like, can you like empty those buckets that they've been using for cleaning? And, uh, and Fred is like trying to say like, hey, you know, maybe try to convince Angel to, and I love that Cordelia knows what she's going to say. (laughs) And so she just keeps like kind of, uh, dodging the question and then just like answers it head on like no I'm not going to do that the only thing I care like Angel's feelings are my number one priority right now and then we have I <laughs> God I could hear your eyes roll <laughs> <laughs> so the good thing is is that this is resolved fairly quickly but the fact that it was even in there at all um, for those of for those listeners who don't remember I have a very very low tolerance for the trope of in a possible love triangle or anything for that matter how like overhearing something how like a a person who likes somebody else will overhear something misunderstand it because they don't have the context and then feel bad about it and this will become like in many cases of romantic comedies the driving force Mm -hmm. of the film and uh, fortunately, it's not bad in this case, but it's still there. <laughs> and I was just like, ah, I hate it. Um, but uh, yeah, um, Cordelia says like, hey, I'm not, I'm not doing this uh, because, and, you know, I, I feel like we don't have Cordelia's exact stance towards Wesley at this moment. No. Which... I, I think is okay because 
right now she's just being super supportive to Angel. Yeah. I don't know if we get... I can't remember. If I we feel get like there has to be of, at least some. There's got to be with, something with um with her and Wesley interacting in the future. Yeah, um, and she's got to like you know say like you know you did some really shitty things. Yeah, I am a little surprised by how quickly Fred seems to have changed her tune. Like last in the last episode, she was like never come to the hotel again, and this week she's like. We need to figure out how to get Wesley back involved. And later in the episode, when she's getting really frustrated that she's been put on mystical research, which is not mm-hmm. her forte, then it makes sense. But at the beginning of the episode, I'm just like, this is a bit of a shift, Fred. Well, I th- and also, like, you know, she makes that comment that, like, it's weird to see Angel there. So, and I think that Fred, when she talked to Wesley, and again, I said last episode that she said, all the things that she should have said to Wesley. Yeah. I think that was also her kind of being strong. Uh, but I feel like in times of stress, like she'd rather have the whole family mm-hmm. be back together. So, um, yeah, like I, 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 it's not a huge like shift that doesn't work with Fred. Uh, it is a shift nonetheless mm-hmm. though. Um, but yeah, uh, Cordelia's talking about how because she's part demon now she it's it's weird because she doesn't know like sometimes she doesn't know if what she's seeing is a vision or not she then randomly sees angel being thrown across like onto the floor and that was it and that was a really weird transition because we didn't get the normal like yeah vision uh preamble does that get resolved in this episode that vision? no i don't think it gets resolved until next episode that, okay. that's with, what i was um, thinking with uh, you know, when you know who shows up, if I had to guess, okay, uh, we'll get to that. I was literally the whole episode. I was like, "Is this when he's gonna get thrown? Is this when he's gonna get thrown?" Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, she sees him like standing behind the desk, and that's when Lorne comes in. Uh, he's wearing like a very dapper disguise. Oh, fucking rocking it! Yeah, um, I love that hat on him. Yeah, uh, but uh, that's when he tells them what's happening across the street at the juice bar. So they go over there. And uh, Angel recognized him. His name was Philip Spivy. Uh, Fred finds his wallet and with the driver's license, and uh, and he's trying to, um, you know, tell him like, "Hey, let's let's go back, Nick. Let's go back across the street. We can talk about this." And he's like, "No, we want more." <laughs> and so Angel punches him. We love peaches. <laughs> I'm trying to the country. You gotta buy a lot of peaches. <laughs> Uh, just call him Timothy Chalamet. He loves them peaches. Oh, wow. I, you know, saw that movie years ago and I still don't know where I stand on it. I'm not a particular fan of it. But you're not a fan because haven't you said that it's like very much a straight person writing a queer story? Uh, well, it's, it is written by a queer person oh, and okay. directed by one, but it still, it just feels for straight people okay. very much. Um, I also just... Part of my issue, too, is in the casting. Um, I know the character's age difference is not that significant. Uh, in, uh, you know, they're only... They're, they're not... Their age difference isn't that far apart. But the fact, that, the fact is that Timothy Chalamet, especially then, looked younger than he actually was. And Army Hammer 
you know, all of his other shit aside, looked older than he actually was. Like, it, Army Hammer's character looked and felt more like he was in his 30s instead of his early 20s. Mm, um, okay. I so actually I was like, haven't read the book either, so... I've never read the book either, and I, w- I would like to. Um, but um, I would suggest, if you want a very good... Uh, I'm going to suggest two. Uh, queer movie that feels for queer people. I already know what one of them is. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That is you one of them. You fucking love that movie. It's a great movie. It's beautiful. Um, and it's like... It's you can tell like I mean the direct the writer director is a lesbian and I think both of the leads are as well. I do love queer. lesbians. Um, it's just, just in general. Cool, <laughs> it's just a beautiful movie. But um, also God's Own Country. Um, I don't know if I've heard of that one. It's really good. It stars um, Josh O'Connor, who played uh, Prince Charles in seasons three and four of The of Crown. The Olivia okay. Coleman years. Yeah. Um, he's. Oh my gosh. Sorry, like, you say the Olivia Coleman years, it makes me think of, like, referring to the crown like Doctor Who. I mean, <laughs> it's not an inaccurate way of describing it, both in its changing cast and starring uh, Matt Smith um, <laughs> and a lot of Doctor Who actors, Olivia Coleman included, although her part on Doctor Who is barely anything. I can't, I can't remember, I believe it's my friend said, like, uh, are you actually a British actor if you were, if you haven't been in Doctor Who or Harry Potter? Or Game of Thrones. Or Game of Thrones, yeah. yeah the, God, the crossover between those shows. <laughs> I've seen the meme that it's like, um, the BBC only has three props and 12 actors. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all in love, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, so, um, once, uh, once they bring uh, Spivy back to Angel Investigations, Angel does uh, remember that uh, Spivy said, we have to go and not I. And, um, and yeah, and, like, the same thing uh, happened in the juice bar. He said, we are thirsty. Um, and, uh, An- and Cordelia's trying to, like, let Angel know, like, oh, hey, I had this vision of you. And he's just like, look, I've got to work on this right now. And uh, so... And he says, like, I, I need to, you know, I need to focus on something that isn't my fault. And, uh, and Spivy wakes up and says, like, this is all happening because of you. <laughs> and then just, like, completely loses all moisture and turns into powder, turns into dust. I liked it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and uh, then, The makeup effects um, that they do for him and, and for later Fred, for later. Fred. Yeah. Um, really good. Yep. Solid work. That once again, practical effects trump yeah. CGI. Reminded me a bit of um, the flood in um, uh, the Doctor Who episode "Waters of Mars." Mm-hmm. Um, the the crack like how like the cracked lips and area around the lips. Yeah. Um, they had that like water flowing out of them sort of situation. That's the opposite of what they're trying to do here, but um, still similar like worlds. But yeah, once uh, once Spivy falls to the ground and turns into dust, uh, they see the uh, transparent slug come out, and uh, I love I love um, Cordelia just jumping up onto the desk. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I love you, Cordelia, so much. Um, so that's when Angel tells Fred that she needs to research and uh, to find out about it, and Fred's just like, I wouldn't even know where to start. 
And so Angel says, like, look into um, Thaumogenesis, which is um, when you create a demon because of a dark spell that you did. Because Which I believe um, that's the same thing that happened in the uh, in Afterlife, the third season of uh, season third episode of season six, when they create the demon from the spell that brought Buffy back. Right. Um, I think that's meant to be the same thing. Um. Uh, yes. Nice. Also, um, yeah. Then you have the uh, superstar as well. Um. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking at what uh, the Buffy Wiki has, and yeah, and then they have the, uh, and then they have the result of the, of uh, resurrecting Buffy. Yep. Nice. I, I just great continuity. Yeah, and um, I wonder if that's like actually a word, um, or mm. if Buffy invented it. That's a great. Here, I'm gonna look it up real quick because. Um, So, uh, and while you're looking that up, Gunn loads up his crossbow his, and uh, says that he's going to stay with Fred and guard her, and everybody else picks up uh, weapons and uh, to go hunting. So, um, it, it, this, was, this term was created by Buffy. It's not okay. an existing thing. However, um, has it been used since? The, uh, the drone doom band. Um, Nadja uh, released an album in 2007 called Thaumogenesis. Um, its name is inspired by uh, uh, Buffy and Angel. I'm not gonna lie, that is a pretty cool, yeah. it's a pretty cool name for an album. Yeah, I think that's it. that's really cool. Uh, so um, Angel and Lorne go upstairs, and uh, they find out that the slug is in a toilet. And as it goes away, and poor Lorne, he like he's not a weapon guy. No. <laughs> um, the slug starts like moving away, and he like lifts up his sword and breaks the light. <laughs> this is helpful though because it does show that they're luminescent. Uh, Angel throws a dagger and gets the stick, and, but it then just like kind of goes off of it and goes its own merry way. Um, and yeah, and this is when we get Fred uh, saying that I don't know what they want me to do with this because, you know, she's a physicist. Mm -hmm. Honestly, before she, like, had to deal with those portals in Pylea, she probably wasn't even aware that all this stuff existed, and now she's, like, going into the, like, nuts and bolts of this, like, sometimes inexplicable force of nature in magic. What I really like about this is, I think, I feel like a lot of other shows would um next man up you can yeah they would have just been like well fred's smart so she's the researcher now and the show i I like the way that the show plays with that where angel just kind of makes that assumption like yeah she's smart she can do it (laughs) and yeah i like fred being saying like no very much um thor ragnarok like use one of your phds (laughs) (laughs) there's um so yeah i appreciate that fred's like yeah i'm fucking smart but like i have a you know, I have a thing that I did. Like this, I, I'm, you can look up wave particle duality and Heisenberg equations, yeah. but I can't. That's not going to help uh, with our yeah. demon slug problem. It's true, <laughs> uh, unless if they were able to work that into it. 
It could be good. It could be like that episode of um, the guy who's like, you know, stopping time or whatever. Ooh. Yeah, I hated that. <laughs> that is one of our um, one of our lowest downloaded episodes. I can live with that. Um, it is. I like looking at that. Like m- the more popular the episode, like of the show, typically higher downloads. Um, and yeah. The less popular, and you know, Angel, we get fewer Angel downloads than we do Buffy. It's not surprising to me. Yeah, Buffy's a more popular show. Um, but yeah, it's funny looking at that one and being like, huh, that like it's like it's like noticeably lower than the, the only I'm, thing. The only reason that I would say that people are missing out is because typically when we come across a bad episode. We normally have, like, a good time hosting yeah. it and also, like, saying why it's bad. Yeah, I, I, I encourage everyone to listen to bad episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Just because it's a bad episode of the show doesn't mean it's a bad episode of the podcast. Um, although, ironically, in that season, um, our highest number of downloads is an Angel episode. It's Guys Will Be Guys. Well, that... It's a great episode. It so is. Like, it really is. I, I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Um... But it was, I was always just kind of funny looking at that and being like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I never would have guessed that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Lila receives a uh, confidential email. And the only way that she can open up this email... Magic password spider! Tarantula! Yes. yes. She pulls a safe from like behind a hidden shelf. So opens let's, the let's count how many steps there yeah. is. Okay, so it's like it's all, like the opening to get smart. Like okay, so first of all, we've got hidden wall panel. Yeah, hidden okay. wall panel. You take the safe out. Safe out. Open the safe. Open the safe. And there's a box inside. Magic box. And then when you open the box, that's when there's a tarantula, which you then place on tarantula. your keyboard, and the tarantula will put in the password to open up the email. Six steps. That I is, love it. That is so ridiculous, and yet. Probably easier than having to go through a password recovery system for your <laughs> IT department. Oh my gosh. I was like, when that happened, I was like, oh, is it password tarantula? I think that was episode. <laughs> I love it so much. I, first of all, I just really like tarantulas. Um, uh, my feelings for snakes, I like opposite for tarantulas and spiders. I fucking love it's, them. It's so funny because I have... Um, you are probably like I think I have a couple friends who aren't like really into snakes, but you are my friend who is like adamantly just super afraid of them. And uh, and then I have another friend who you know loves snakes, but is super afraid of spiders. And um, but you know other insects, even like insects that look fairly similar to spiders. I know that spiders aren't insects. I, I'm just saying, like, insects with six legs versus... Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like, those don't, like, freak her out. It's hmm. just the spiders. And I'm like, you know, it, I guess I never got it. Like, I also don't really get the... I mean, yeah, with snakes, I can understand, you know, they're kind of like lizards, but they don't have, like, the limbs or whatever. So that's a little weird. Um, of course, then I see, like, something like a Komodo dragon that looks like... It looks like a snake, but it's got like you know legs and <laughs> legs and uh, and arms or whatever. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's just weird. I've never understood those phobias, and um, I don't know if you have like any anything you wanted to add to that, um, or if it's just like 
if there's like a certain experience that got you afraid of snakes or if you just never liked them i've never liked them and yeah i don't think there was any sort of my grandfather also was very afraid of snakes um but my dad loves snakes and like had some as pets when i was a little kid i don't remember them but i've asked him i was like did i have some sort of traumatic experience with one of your pet snakes and he was like no like <laughs> kind of like how uh, Indiana Jones like fell into that car yeah. full of snakes and break oh, in uh, Last Crusade. Oh, 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 oh. It's like he was <laughs> he had no problem with snakes before <laughs> that happened. Um, but yeah, I don't I couldn't explain it except for maybe it might have been something I picked up from my grandfather. Um, but that's interesting. Like, could that possibly be that phobias are genetic? Oh, I wasn't even thinking genetic. Like, he probably just said some shit that really scared me when I was a kid about snakes. Like, I do remember him saying that snakes were the devil. Like, all snakes were the devil. Okay, that can... So, you know, I, I probably heard that at a very that's age. Pretty, that's pretty front-loaded. <laughs> um, but no, I love tarantulas. We, When I was in kindergarten and first grade, um, we had a classroom pet tarantula. It was so cool. Uh, I loved playing with him. They're sweet. Yeah, I I feel like I feel like at first I'd be a little uncomfortable to like have a tarantula on me, um, but I'm pretty sure like you know once I let it just kind of do its thing, yeah. then it probably wouldn't bother me. It's pretty. It, it is unnerving at first. Yeah, but um, they're they're not like they're not no, dangerous. I, yeah, to like I, when we're at the zoo, I enjoy like looking at all of the all of the spiders and all the snakes. <laughs> um, I do get a little like a. Uh, do get a little wary when you see the, like that uh, boa constrictor that they have there. Oh, it's um, massive. It's huge. And the only reason that I kind of like get a little unnerved by it is um, because of the movie Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> and um, like that particular scene with that, like, you know, the big snake. Um, like, I think it's unnerving to pretty much anybody who watches it. Not just like, not just somebody who has a phobia of snakes. That movie was rough for me. I'm still I'm still proud that you made it through it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, who's my Who's my big brave boy? Me. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this uh, this confidential email that requires password tarantula, um, does uh, is explaining like what's happening at the hotel and that it is linked to um, thalmogenesis. Uh, Gavin once again enters. Smarmy little fuck. He nut. really is. Like he comes in and takes her liquor, which Dead. I can only assume is scotch, because I feel like when you're when you have that office, you have to have just scotch. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I feel like Lila um, feels like a scotch. Girl. Lila feels like a scotch girl more than bourbon. Yeah, or brandy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I feel like if she were older, maybe brandy. Yeah. Um, but she definitely seems like a Scotch girl. Actually, I think we know she's a Scotch girl. I'm pretty sure that's what she ordered when she was at that bar with Sajan. Yeah. <laughs> like, and we're like, no, she feels like she's a Scotch girl. Got like, it. No, the show has told us she is. That just immediately <laughs> made me think of Angel coming up and say, like, double, it's on her. <laughs> <laughs> she can afford it. I love it. Um, but yeah, and so that's when, um, yeah, so Gavin says that, um, he's He's gotten a hold of Linwood, and uh, he said that um, that uh, Linwood is totally fine if everybody dies because you know Angel kind of tortured him, yeah. and uh, he doesn't want to. He doesn't care anymore, 
And uh, so at first, Lila's just like, all right, yeah, sure, I'll let him die. <laughs> but then um, that's when Gavin points out, the, like, you know, the senior partners still kind of want Angel alive. And if he dies because of a spell that you did, you might be in trouble. So Lila immediately starts trying to, like, mobilize um, a team to take out uh, that take out that infection. They're not going to be needed. Yeah. The bio in- bioplasmic infection. <laughs> Um, so this is when this is when we get that resolution that Cordelia and Gru, um, you know, Gru says like, "Oh, you said that like Angel's feelings are your top priority," and Cordelia's like, "You know, it's that's not exactly what I meant. Like, you're you're my top priority for everything else." And what she's trying to say in her own Cordelia way is that like, "Hey, right now, Angel's my boss. Angel's my friend. I need to like make sure that he's okay." But, you know, my personal life, you're my top priority in that. Which, the lines between these people's work and personal life have blurred to near non-existence. Yeah. So. <laughs> but, I mean, Cordelia is still trying to, like, trying. make the point. Yeah. And, um, uh, Gru sees another slug, tells Cordelia not to move, and Cordelia just tries to kill it anyway. I do <laughs> love how he, like, after she explains... He, like, raises the axe. He's like, don't move. And she's like, we, come on, let's just talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it is revealed that, um, uh, we forgot to mention earlier, but, like, while Gunn is talking to Fred and is, like, looking away from the pentagram, more slugs fall down. So that's why um, everybody sees a slug. Yay! Um, so when they get to the lobby, that's when um, it's like, okay, there are more of these things. Uh, we need to, um, but we know that they are, uh, that they glow in the dark. And Cordelia is like, well, that's and he starts and when Angel starts taking out flashlights, she's like, well, it's not like you're gonna turn off the power in the hotel and then we try to hunt them with that. Oh my god, no! <laughs> <laughs> I um, good's like, I think that's a good idea. He's like, well, yeah, you know, you gotta go down and shut the power. I was like, no. <laughs> I do like this. I mean, it's the they glow in the dark. It's a it's the reason they glow in the dark is so that we have a story excuse of why the hotel is going to be so dark so that the episode can be spookier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm fine with it. Um, I also just really love that we get to see probably the most of the hotel that we've ever gotten to see. Yeah, I think the last time we got like a really good view of the hotel was the one where Wes went crazy mm-hmm. with like the, the man-hating, yeah. man-hating ghost. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, uh, and uh, yeah, Angel gives Fred a lantern to, like, keep doing research while they all go turn it off. And unfortunately, a slug does... uh, She gets slugged! Yeah, she gets slugged. Um, So... um, They they go to, like, the South Wing, which uh, is not a place that we've seen before. Um, And uh, they hear the sound of chirping birds from behind it. So Angel, like, kicks it open. Looks to be, like, a big dance hall. Yeah. A ballroom. Um, when uh, Gunn really wants to open a club there, and <laughs> they, they kind of owe him. They kind of <laughs> owe him, but I don't know. It feels like playing with, quite literally, playing with fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe you don't want to open anything in this hotel right now. Yeah. Your track record, Lauren. Like between your track record of exploding clubs and just the sheer amount of explosions and violence that happens at this hotel, I, I do, I do kind of love the fact that Lauren is still there for these people, even though they've ruined his livelihood 
multiple times. Well, presumably he doesn't play, pay rent. Oh, okay. I wouldn't. <laughs> like, he, he blew just, up my home yeah, twice. Yeah, yeah, he just walks in. He's like, I'm taking a room. Because you guys have like <laughs> fucking caused my, my club to burn multiple times. <laughs> but yeah, when Gunn gets back um, to Fred, Fred says that she's scared. And... Um, and we get this really creepy scene, probably the creepiest scene of the episode, in my opinion, when um, she breaks open the snow globe mm-hmm. that was shown earlier to start drinking from it and says, we're thirsty. Mm-hmm. Uh, gives me a little bit of Oculus vibes there. Mm, yeah. Um, um, she's got like a little cut on her lip. Yeah. Um, um, oh, Oculus. Yes, she says that we're thirsty, so obviously Gunn knows that she's been infected. Um, so when they go, when the team goes into the ballroom, uh, Gunn comes in and, uh, he says he wants to take Fred to a hospital, but, um, but, you know, Fred's still kind of in control. So she says like, oh, that's what the slug wants so I can get out. But Gunn wants to go anyway. Um, Gru hears, and this is like, you know, is when things get like super tense between Angel and, uh, Gunn as they are, as they tend to do. Yeah. Um, Gun points out that, like, you know, you were going to, uh, like, you know, all this stuff is happening because of you. And, uh, and Angel's, like, tries to say, like, hey, I mean, I did what I had to do. And that's what, like, Gun is saying, like, yeah, I'm about to do what I have to do. Uh, Gru interrupts and says that it's from underneath the floor. Uh, that's where the sounds are coming from. And when they open it, they find that there is a swimming pool, which is like, ooh, we have a pool. <laughs> And then, it, and then it is full of the slugs. So some of them escape, and everybody runs. Um, they get to the kitchen. Uh, they're able to bar it, and uh, so you know, Fred says that it's hot. So this causes Angel to um, turn on all the stoves and uh, try to like you know make it hot and dry so that the slugs won't get in. Uh, of course, this sucks for Fred. Um, and that's when she asks where Gunn is, and, um, you know, he's not there. Um, Ari did the let them all die from Linwood. So Gunn goes to, uh, Wesley's apartment, because he knows that, like, you know, Fred is in no fit state to do any research. Yeah. And they need an answer quick. And, uh... Back in the kitchen, uh, Fred is try- or Angel's trying to get all that he can out of Fred. Um, yeah, he's like manhandling yeah, her. Trying to talk to the slug. This is when we get like the really cool like she's got the cracks in her face mm-hmm. effect. It's good makeup, and, uh, and Amy's slug- so good. Yeah, just like in the scene. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Because she does like it, it. Never seems like she fully goes to the slug. Like mm-hmm. there's still some of Fred there left. Yeah, and um, yeah, this is a uh, is a talent that. Uh, she, uh, she may utilize later. Who knows? Yeah, um, she's so good in Dollhouse. <laughs> good old whiskey. Good old whiskey. Um, but she says, as the slug, she says that they are running from the Destroyer, uh, which is, Cordelia says, that's not a name you want to hear, the Destroyer. <laughs> and um, and uh, she says the Destroyer isn't coming for them, it's coming for Angel. Yeah. And she calls in the slug persona <laughs> calls Angel by name. Um, Gunn is like trying to tell Wesley everything and uh, Wesley says that he's not going to help because, you know, his throat got cut 
He tried to like struggle to stay alive so that he could explain to his friends what happened. Um, and, you know, then proceeded to get almost smothered by man that he mm-hmm. trusted the most. Um, Alexis Denisoff is so good in the scene. Um, yeah. This, the, we're, we're, we're getting some layers to Wesley that we've never gotten to see before. Well, and, and you know, like, stuff. we all, like I, like I mentioned at the beginning of the season and at the end of season two, like, the, the darkness of Wesley mm-hmm. is very much foreshadowed. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about how Wes feels in this scene? Like, not willing to help them out at all. Um, I mean, obviously, once he hears that it's Fred who's mm-hmm. in danger, that's when he says, like, I'll help you out this once, but never come back here. Um, do you think that he has, like, any right to be angry with them? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really... Because we kind of... We know, we know the parts of it. Yeah. And, um... And, yeah, and we've talked before... And, like, you know, Cordelia says there was something that I could have done if I was here, if you'd have let me know. And, honestly, one of those things could have... And, again, like we've mentioned before, how um, not only should Angel have called Cordelia, mm-hmm. but Wesley should have called Cordelia. Yep. It would not have gone down the way it went down if right. Cordy was there. I do think it's interesting, at the beginning of the episode, she... Um, one of the things she... When he's like, what could you have done? She says, I could have had a vision... Um, and it's like, girl, your visions still happened. Yeah, they are. Like, they're not, like... They're not distance dependent. <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't have, so like, GPS the, tied into it. The powers deliberately didn't send you one. Mm-hmm. Bad pocket. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I don't... I think Wesley is being a little bitch. Um, <laughs> should put it lightly. I, I understand him feeling betrayed by Angel attacking him specifically, um, and I I could imagine he feels a little raw about what Fred said to him in the last episode. But I'm I, I part of me is just like, well, like actions meet consequences. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like it, it's really hard to get on your side, man. Yeah. Because... I do think he would have helped regardless. I think he would have broken down eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it yeah. wasn't Fred, if, he, if it were Cordy, if it were anyone on the team, except maybe Angel. Yeah. Like, if it were Lauren, he would have helped. Um, he would have been a little, little dick about it, but, like... But, yeah, he hands, um, he hands Gun a bottle of vodka. Hey, you're drinking vodka. Yeah. No slugs in me! <laughs> hey! So, um, yeah, Fred's skin has been cracking, and Angel's worried that she's going to die, so that's when he just says, like, you know what? We're turning the stoves off. And he starts turning all the, all the water faucets. And he says um, for Lauren, Grew, and Cordelia to take uh, take Fred to a hospital. And he's going to, like, try to keep all the slugs in there by drawing them in with the water. Um, and, uh, yeah, it is important that um, Cordelia stays with mm-hmm. Angel. And Grew notices this. Yes. So maybe, but you know what, Gru doesn't do. He doesn't make a big deal of it. Doesn't make moment. a big deal about it. Yeah, he has the moment. He notices. Yeah, but he also recognizes that there are more important stakes at the moment. Yes, we love very we much love so. an emotionally mature himbo. <laughs> Lord and Gru um, are about to leave, but that's when Gun comes in and starts, uh, like you know, giving the vodka to Fred, and so the slug does not like it. And uh, bursts out of her body, and Gru's able to kill it. Yeah. Um, and uh, as they're fighting the slugs, 
um, a slug lands on Cordelia's arm, and then she just lights up like the Fourth of July, and there's just this luminescence, this bright light that that is able to just shine out of everywhere, goes to the whole hotel, and kills all the slugs. How do you feel about this? It's something that. Um, it's something that obviously, like I would think, I immediately think that, oh, this is a, uh, this is a side effect of like, mm-hmm. of the demon, right? Um, and uh, if it's not explained later on, I'd be a bit disappointed by it. Yeah, um, I believe it is. Um, more I don't know if they go into like a maybe really not the specifics specific, of it, but. Yeah. Um, we do get a bit of an explanation right now. It's just kind of a mystery. Yeah, it's a bit of a Deus Ex Machina, um, just a bit. But I mean, it's it's really hard to say what it's a Deus what's a Deus Deus Ex Machina in these shows. Yeah, I ultimately don't mind it because yes, they have to kill all the slugs. That is part of the conflict of the, this episode. But the actual conflict with stakes that matters is Fred and getting the slug out of her. And that was resolved. And that's resolved without the random magic power that Cordy suddenly has. So I'm like, all right, fine. I'll allow that. If, if, If Cordy's demon magic whatever had been what saved Fred, I think I would have more of a problem with it. I can understand that frustration. Um, so then we get into the lobby. Um, Gunn says that, um, you know, he did what he did, what he had to do to save Fred. He doesn't necessarily say that he went to Wesley. They all know. Yeah, they all know. (laughs) And, um, he's like, oh, like, I mean, I mean, you have to understand, like, it was somebody that I really cared about that I was going to do anything for. Like, oh, I guess you do understand that. (laughs) Uh, it's kind of Angel's whole shtick. Uh, but I really love how... Gunn is expecting Angel to be super pissed at him. And to Gunn's, in fairness to Gunn, Angel is glowering pretty hard. That that is just his face. Um, And he, like, talks through. That is just his face. Uh, But the way he, like, talks through all of Angel's emotions and finally kind of gets to where Angel is without Angel saying a word. And then he's like, so we're cool, right? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, yeah, I, I I love that. Like it, I mean, uh, I think it's safe to say that uh, Gun and Angel are the ones who butt heads the most frequently. Yeah, oh yeah. And I always enjoy when they're able to like reach a point of understanding mm-hmm. and uh, just that we're cool. Yeah. Well, in many ways, Gun and Angel um, are the two characters most similar to one another. Yeah. Um. They are both, you know, they're both fighters. They're both leaders. Um, they uh, got a lot of baggage from their past. Um, Gun's never been evil, um, but um, they're both very stubborn. Um, yeah, it's it's a really great um, it's a really great uh, relationship to mm-hmm. see work out the way that it does. Yeah. And it's fun just to look at, like, where they are now versus where they were when um, they first met. Yeah. It's good. And, you know, Gunn's always felt like that first kind of 
new character to the show apart from Doyle. Right. But, you know, we obviously didn't get to have uh, the love the lovable Gwen Quinn, Gwen, Glenn Quinn for too long. <laughs> right. Um, so Gunn has always kind of felt like that first new addition to yeah. Angel Investigations. Well, and even Doyle felt like a bit like Whistler from yeah. Becoming. Which, I mean, was the original idea. Right. So in many ways, Gunn is, of the regular cast, the first one who was created specifically for Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of ways he feels that way. Um, Wesley and Cordy, especially in season one, are very much the outliers on the show. They're the ones you're going, those are the characters you you spun off with Angel? In a good way. Um, and obviously it's worked out very well in the Mm -hmm. show's favor. But, um, Gunn really is the first character who feels like he's baked into this world and not... A character who adapted to this world from Buffy. And you know, this may seem like a controversial thing, but I feel that while different main characters were added and subtracted throughout the run of Buffy, I feel like we always had, at the very least, Buffy, um, Buffy, Xander, and Willow. Mm-hmm. And then you've kind of had the support around that. Yes. Um, so it always kind of felt like it was those three and everybody else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, arguably Giles as well, even though he uh, even though he is no longer a main character in Buffy where we're at. Right. But I always thought that um, as the cast grew in Angel, it really did feel like it was growing into what it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, you know... Obviously, our first three main characters are Angel, Cordelia, and Doyle, and that didn't last long, but it also, like, even when you brought in Alexis Denisoff as Wesley, that didn't last too long before you brought in yeah. J. August Richards, and, um, and the cast has been slowly growing, and mild spoiler alert, it's going to grow a little more, and I just love how it does feel like it grew into something bigger than it started Mm -hmm. and that by the end of season five you're like god i I love this cast they i feel like angel has a more solidly unified ensemble Mm -hmm. than buffy does it helps that the characters literally all work and some of them live in the same building um so it's 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 easier to just have all the characters in the same place at the same time because that's where they are. Whereas on Buffy, especially this season, part of the not the problem of the season, but part of like the arc has been the way the characters Separation. are really disconnected. Yeah, but they don't really. Have... And we got and we got a worse version of that in season four. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and we don't. But we don't really have a unified, you know, a central location. Um, you know, in the first three seasons, it was the high school. They all had to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we have the magic box now, but, you know, only Anya works there. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one lives there. So, like, um, it's, you have to have more reasons to bring all the characters together, um, or deliberately make, make, you know, give them separate stories. Anyway. All right. Let's, uh, we've been, uh, we've been delaying this long enough. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. We're going to talk about 
Beginning of Fred's drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> I just do love that it. vodka was really great. I I know this is not going to happen, but I would just love it if she was just wasted at the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> like that wasn't prop vodka; it was real vodka, and they just jump right into filming the next scene. Oh my gosh. Uh, but yeah, so everybody's thinking like, okay, everything's okay. But that's when Lauren says like, um, did you guys forget that, you know, we're still worried about this destroyer? And that's when Fred, um, says like, yeah, he's coming right now. And so, uh, Portal starts to crackle, uh, the gang, um, look at where the, uh, where the portal is right above the pentagram and a very large and just terribly CGI animated monster comes out. Do you know what it reminds me of? What? Uh, the way it's designed looks like a worse version, and they were already pretty bad, um, of the CGI monsters in the first live-action Scooby-Doo movie. Yeah, no, yeah, I get that. That tall body with, like, the long arm. Yeah, Yeah. I was sort of thinking, like, maybe, um, the Van Helsing movie with, uh... Have you ever seen that? With With Hugh Jackman? uh, Hugh Jackman, yeah. Honestly, overall, I enjoyed that movie because I thought it was a clever way of trying to work in all those classic stories together. Pete Beckinsale in that, too? Yes. That's what I thought. Uh, but, um, yeah, like... It's not great. It does not look great. Um, and maybe that's just because we had a decent CGI monster throughout. It was fairly simple, but overall effective. Yeah. But yeah, this just looks goofy. Yeah. And um, at first they think like, oh, this is it. This is who we're going to fight. But then another portal opens and a young man comes out and just kills the damn thing. And um, he is, like, wearing, like, just kind of tattered skins and pelts and um, looks straight at Angel, holds up um, something that is attached to his arm, which, uh, mild spoiler, is a little, like, steak-firing thing mm-hmm. and, sa- and looks right at Angel and says, Hi, Dad. <gasps> Gasp. Welcome to the show... The ex Mr. Alexis Bledel, Vincent Carthizer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say too much more about uh, we, my feelings. Yeah, we can't. <coughs> oh, we have that? feelings. We have many feelings regarding this character. If you don't all, if you haven't <laughs> already figured out who it is, uh, but we can't really go into them until we get more than. A five-second appearance of him. Yeah. Otherwise, you almost say we're not being fair. <laughs> <laughs> Do you smell that? It smells amazing. It smells so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, John's making some sort of like egg pl- pasta with eggplant tonight. From yeah, our I noticed like the ricotta, the the eggplant, the meat. Everything looks so good. Yeah. Well, the meat's for you. Oh yeah, I thought he I thought he like was making another kind of meat as well. Oh, I missed that. Um, I could be wrong. Sorry, I just, like, I got a waft of it, and I was like, ooh, that's also good. Is that how you pronounce that word? I don't know. Oh, I always thought it was waft. Well, I'm from Kentucky, so, like, <laughs> you say waft, I say piece waft. Of sh- piece of shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, this episode, it's solid. It's okay. Yeah. 
Um, it's nothing. It's it's. I was I was a little more surprised at how much I liked last week's episode. Mm-hmm. This episode, I feel like, kind of goes for the scary confined quarters um, vibe, but never really gets there for yeah. me. There are parts of it that are okay. Um, this is just kind of like an overall a meh episode. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, we see like fun returns of. Uh, of Lila and Gavin, and uh, we see just kind of like a hint of where Wesley's at. Um, yeah, overall, it's it seems like the entire point of the episode was to get to the end of the episode, mm-hmm. um, and when you try to do that and just don't have uh, a lot of substance going on in your actual episode, then I'm not really that into it. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm not gonna be too harsh. I'm gonna give it like a two point five. Uh, covered swimming pools out of five. Yeah, it's not like it's obviously it's not like an all timer, not a classic, um, but it's not like a travesty. It's inoffensive. Yeah, it's, it's inoffensive, <laughs> um, and it has some fun moments. You know, it's not like she or expecting, um, or you know, my Nadir, uh, go fish. <laughs> um, or season seven's the killer in me. I feel like you're Ooh. giving Go Fish so much staying power on this podcast. Well, <laughs> it lives rent free in my head. It does. <laughs> it terrifies me. I have nightmares about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, no, I think inoffensive is such a great way to put it. Um, uh, I, I'm gonna give it three. Um, not shocking twists. <laughs> out of five um you know I, I i mentioned this to jason before we started recording um and you know i i'd be interested to hear other perspectives on this but i think I'm, i remember on my first time view the second that kid came out of the portal, i was like well that's goner um because i was always expecting him to come back older just because yeah just like trope yeah well i mean i don't know if i was necessarily expecting him to come back older uh but i knew that like he be back. Right. Like, you don't just take away such an important, like, character from the show and then not bring him back. Right. And I'll be, like, I remember watching the first time and thinking, like, I was like, well, they're going to do something to age that baby up real quick. Some some magical nonsense is going to happen. Uh, and when he got kidnapped to, to a demon dimension, which we've already established, time works differently. I was like, oh, that's how they're going to do it. Um... It's, it's just such a trope. Xena did it. Um, uh, Fringe did it. Yeah. Um, hell, even Buffy did it in a way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Don't even so. bother growing him up. Just like... <laughs> just <laughs> plopped her in yeah, there. Plop her in there. Throw all that grown-up stuff in their <laughs> memories. Um, but yeah, so... Yeah, three out of five for me. Um, and... Any final thoughts? Or no, I think um, I think people are uh, sick and tired of hearing my voice uh, do are these you, summaries. Are you sick and tired? Of I'm not. I, <laughs> okay. No, like I mean, we had that. Like uh, honestly, I felt really sad um, when you got COVID. Me one, too. One because <laughs> you got COVID, and I was, you know, COVID's not what it was before. It's manageable thanks to being vaccinated. Right. Um, so I wasn't like you know feared for your life. But I was, um, I was sad, one, because you were sick, and two, because we wouldn't get to do this. And I also felt a little bad about, like, you know, not being able to, like, 
do it like the weekend the week between the concerts and like you know I really enjoy doing this and uh, I like talking about these episodes nice. but I am I, I do think I, I am ready to kind of get back to Buffy because yeah. shit is about to go down shit is about to go down well thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy we will be back next week with as Jason mentioned Buffy <laughs> going back to Sunnydale uh, season 6 episode 18 Entropy a personal favorite of it's a good Harrison's. one um I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357. And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman. Uh, I'm on threads there as well. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman, C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out in all of those cases. And don't forget to rate and review us. Uh, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, we normally like to highlight some uh, some uh, worthy charities and nonprofits. Um, what I'm going to highlight is uh, actually something that I've been looking into volunteering at uh, fairly recently, um, and that is uh, Gilda's House or Gilda's Club. Pardon me, and uh, I believe there are multiple uh, Gildas clubs, but there is one in Kentuckyana. Um, but it is a, um, or well, this one was founded in uh, in in Louisville. Uh, but yes, it was founded by um, it was founded in two thousand five by six Louisville cancer survivors, and Gildas Club Louisville opened its red doors fifteen years ago, becoming the first cancer support center of its kind in the area, with the unique mission of ensuring those affected by cancer are empowered by knowledge, strengthened by action, and sustained by community. And uh, so they strive to support you and your loved ones um, and help you through a cancer diagnosis. Uh, supportive community, variety of programs to assist you, your loved ones, or any members of your circle who are struggling. Believe life is meant to be lived even when cancer is a part of it. There are two locations in Kentucky, uh, there are two locations in Louisville, um, I don't know if there's like other uh, if there if it's like bigger than Kentucky, but that is called Gilda's Club Kentuckyana. Um, mm-hmm. I just feel like it's a it's it's a place that I've always been interested in just learning more about and maybe eventually volunteering at. So I think it's a good place to yeah kick some money. Um, absolutely, I'm going to second that because um, I actually have worked with Gilda's Club. Oh yeah, um, okay. In the past, yeah. Um, when uh, when I was with um, doing work with Kids Acting Against Cancer okay. um, Gilda's Club was one of our major partners um, so we did a lot of benefits there um, stuff like that um, so yeah okay cool yeah. alright well as always go slay and be gay All right. bye bye bitches.